Hello, and welcome to another Banking Transform Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and publisher of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. The importance of using data, analytics, and advanced marketing technology has never been greater. Consumers expect their financial institutions to know them, look out for them, and reward them. Unfortunately, few organizations are adept at using data for contextual engagement. Now more than ever, banks and credit unions must leverage the insights they have to create better experiences and higher engagement. We are very fortunate to have Sarah Welch, Managing Director and Head of Marketing at Curios, on the Banking Transform podcast. We'll be discussing how the advances in marketing technology coupled with data, analytics, and applied insights is transforming financial marketing. Marketing has taken center stage at the majority of financial institutions, being asked to build communication strategies that build customer engagement and positively impact sales. More importantly, the focus has shifted from a product focus to a customer focus with the power of data insights and technology driving improved results. As mentioned, we have Sarah Welch, Managing Director and Head of Marketing Solutions from Curinos, on the show today. Before we begin, Sarah, can you share with our audience a little bit about yourself as well as provide an introduction to Curinos? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So um, a little bit about me. I am a managing director focused on marketing solutions. And what does that mean? It means that I sort of sit at the intersection of data and technology and insights, really to help marketers make that transition or help their banks make that transition from the product and distribution-led world to the customer-centric, customer-driven world. And Kyranos as a company is uh, similarly focused on uh, customer data and solutions and insights that help banks and financial institutions better navigate kind of the shifting sands of today and anticipate where uh, we need we need to be going for tomorrow. So you're really an advisory firm that helps marketers take what they have at their disposal and, and really help them make the best use of it then? We have uh, an advisory business. Yes, absolutely. And we also have data and technology solutions that can help marketers actually implement some of those ideas and activate uh, more productively on, on those insights. That's great. So let's start from the beginning in a way. What, what is happening today in the world of bank marketing? You know, wh- what is keeping the chief marketing officer up at night? <laughs> uh, what's everything. not happening? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you said it pretty well a second ago. It is, um, it's really an, an industry that's shape-shifting. And it's not too often that you get to play in a, in a sandbox where everything is getting reinvented. And in retail banking, everything is getting reinvented. What is money? What is a bank? What is, um, you know, what are we doing? And marketers um, in that shape-shifting environment have a really, really important role to play um, in not not only um, being the voice of the customer and helping uh, bring that into the the strategic conversations about where the bank will go and move to, um, but then also um, kind of helping the institution move more quickly in that direction of customer centricity. So um, they, as you say, are playing a really central role in the transformation of retail banking and. 
In terms of what's keeping them up at night, probably a, a lot of things. Um, if we if we focus on kind of one big area, there's the distinctiveness challenge, right? So if regionality, uh, the physical location of your bank, is no longer a primary determinant of where I should bank, um, how do you create distinctiveness and define distinctiveness for your bank in a way that stands out. And, and uh, I know consumers definitely tend to see banks as largely the same. So that's definitely one area that's keeping banks up at night uh, or bank marketers up at night. Um, acquisition efficiency. Um, so as marketing becomes more and more important in driving uh, new customers into the franchise, in keeping those relationships healthy and deepening those relationships, um, that is uh, a really important question. How do I use the limited dollars that I have? And nobody uh, feels like they have enough dollars uh, to move the needle. How do I use those dollars most efficiently? And almost think like a fund manager, uh, you know, in terms of allocating my dollars most efficiently across the markets we play in, across the product set that we have, and across the channels. Um, and then the last is is personalization, and and really that's about relationship depth. How do we um, productively? drive relationships at scale uh, in digital channels as we shift to a more digital first world. So it, it's interesting. I, I had um, a great guest. We had Raja Raja, Raja, Raja Manir, the CMO of MasterCard. He wrote the book called Quantum Marketing. It's a great book. I recommend it to everybody. But, but it was interesting because one of his major takeaways is that the marketing world has changed so much in the, the last year, but even more so in the last five years, to such a degree that it's almost hard to stay on top of what's going on in marketing. So how does your organization help marketers stay on top of what's happening and actually supplement and complement their organization's capabilities to do what you just mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a number of things. And, and I think, you know, that there's one central theme. Um, and I, I don't know if you've heard the expression from Mad Men to Math Men um, as sort of being a nice little wrapper of the changing role of, of marketing. You know, the, the role is increasingly analytical, um, but it's sort of one foot in analytics, one foot in still concepts and, and um, human, human-centered communication. So we help our, our bank marketing partners with insights, certainly a lot of research, a lot of data um, to help our clients better understand what our customers, um, what do customers need? How are those needs changing? And where might banks better play and engage with those consumers? We have uh, marketing analytics that help our, our clients better understand uh, how to maximize the limited marketing dollars that they do have. And finally, we have a platform uh, that's an AI sort of optimization platform for um, relationship driving messaging. So uh, for known customers, how do you dynamically uh, interact with customers um, with marketing interactions that are more likely to deepen relationships and drive uh, ultimately CLB? You know, it, it's interesting. Your organization for years has really done a really good job of providing, as you said, the, the ability to say, here's what's happening in the marketplace. Here's how to address it. And 
then give them the tools to help them address it. You know, what's interesting, though, in the research that we've done, the Digital Bank Report shows that while we talk a lot about data analytics and AI, the reality is the only areas that financial institutions almost uniformly have done really well in this space is in the risk and fraud being able to avoid the problems. And, and that's where AI has really gotten its foot wet in, in the financial services. But with financial institutions, with regard to using data analytics, applied analysis and AI to move the customer relationship forward, the financial institutions have done a much worse job on that. Do you believe that the, the organizations that you work with are challenged by this? And how are they getting over that hurdle of using data analytics for better customer relationships as opposed to simply risk avoidance? It, uh, you're, you've put your finger on it. Um, so it absolutely is a challenge. And I would say it's a challenge across the board um, for all types of customers that um, that we're interacting with, whether they're neobanks or the, the biggest institutions out there. Um, and, and they're challenged in a couple of ways. They're challenged in getting customer data organized and um, in a place where there's sort of a 360 degree view of the customer that can be leveraged by different marketing machines uh, to, to, to drive better marketing interactions. So that's one area where, where they're particularly challenged. And, and another area is just agility, right? So a lot of the marketing technology is built on what we call a linear workflow. So you need to know in advance, what is the segment that I'm going to address here? For each segment that I'm going to address, maybe I have some hypotheses about uh, A or B or C messages that I want to test and find the one winner that I will then roll out at scale. Um, and that that linear workflow um, really creates a log jam. Uh, we know lots of marketers, talk to lots of marketers every day who have hundreds of hypotheses that they want to be able to go test. But the actual work of being able to go get the data, uh, set up the tests, execute the tests, get the data from the test to learn what works, what didn't work, so that you can adjust the, the sort of machinery um, is, you know, that's really where there are big log jams um, and frustration about how quickly, uh, you know, an organization, a marketing organization can move. Um, and the, the last is orchestration. So, you know, if you think about um, something like next best action, a lot of banks have um, done a, you know, pretty good job of developing complex next best action machines. Um, and that's fantastic. That means that, Jim, the next time you show up um, or, you know, the next time you do something, the bank says, hey, Jim, the right next thing to put in front of Jim is XYZ product. That's good. However, any good marketer and really, frankly, any human being knows that that's only kind of part of the, the process, that, that sort of just product pushing all the time, which is what those next best action engines enable, um, is is only part of the equation. There is There does need to be 
kind of a value adding content and, and value enhancing content? And what is the relationship between more relationship oriented messaging and product oriented messaging? So the, the orchestration is complex. The other piece of orchestration that's really complex is if I have a portfolio of 15, 20 products, um, how do I know that I should be sending you this product versus that product. When as a marketer, I am often beholden to the lines of business and I need to generate X number of widget sales for each product. And so what happens in that environment is uh, I just send more mail or I send more, uh, you know, marketing interactions and that may get the widget sales that I want, but it ultimately might be deteriorating the quality of the relationship that I have with the customer and deteriorating their sort of likelihood to respond or engage with things that I send on a go forward basis. So it's interesting, you know, people say that you have eight seconds to capture a customer's attention and along the line of what you just discussed, but it's not just what you say, but how you say it. And, and especially as we come out of the pandemic, the, the role of empathy, the role of actually doing something on behalf of the consumer as opposed to doing it on behalf of the product manager that, as you mentioned, drives sometimes where our financial assets go towards what we try to push. How, how do organizations get around that? Number one, I, I would assume you agree with that concept that it's how you talk to, but how do organizations get beyond simply the product push into more of an empathetic dialogue that builds engagement and may not initially build sales. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about empathy, which is fundamentally a human a human trait, um, how to how do you what does that look like in in practice in banking? So I'll take a, a consumer kind of walking in to a, a retail bank, maybe to open an account. Um, they may sit aside uh, from a banker, and that banker is really constantly throwing out a series of stimuli and looking for how the customer responds. So might throw out a bad dad joke, see if you like humor, might um, ask you some questions. And with each bit of stimuli that they're putting out, they're watching for your response and adjusting course and taking all of those inputs in order to kind of figure out, okay, what ultimately is the right conversation to have with this customer and solution to present to this consumer? And how do I present that? Do I present that in a, you know, oh my gosh, the house is on fire. You need this right now based on everything you've just told me or with a wink and a smile or in a very sort of one, two, three, you know, this is how you do it uh, practical way. Um, so that's how humans do it. And, um, you know, if you think about what marketers challenges is how do you do that at scale in digital channels, what you what you need to be doing are a, a lot of test and learn, right? Test and learn and iterate. And there are so many variables that you can be playing with. So if you think about tone, uh, you could have direct tones, fear of missing out tones, witty tones. Um, you can have different kinds of images. You can have different lengths of body copy. All of these are variables that you can and should be playing with um, in order to find the, the sort of how wrappers that are most likely to connect at an individual level. And what we have seen um, 
um, is a massive uh, response difference between, um, you know, campaigns that do have that ability to adapt to and personalize on those variable dimensions. We see anywhere from 60 to, you know, 100, 125% increases in responsiveness from, from customers who are getting uh, much more um tailored and personalized wrappers. Let's get into the, the weeds a little bit. I mean, most financial institutions, a couple things play into this. Number one, I, I, I've been lucky enough to meet with bankers across the country over the last couple months face-to-face. And one ongoing theme from everybody is they are overwhelmed by today. So they really can't even think about what they should be doing tomorrow. And moving forward beyond keeping up because the keeping up is such a much faster pace than it was before, is so difficult. On top of that, almost every financial institution says that their data is messy. It's just, it's multiple silos. It's all over the place. Do you help organizations, number one, make unmanageable data manageable and, and be able to apply it? And secondly, do you help organizations keep that pace of change, that pace of innovation, that pace of marketing dynamics moving forward quickly when really they are going to have a very hard, difficult time doing it themselves? Yes, uh, is the short answer. So um, in thinking about customer data, and yes, that is the, that's the lifeblood. Um, and I, we like to call it digital exhaust, right? And, and if you think about um, the the best customer experiences out there, which all banking customers are experiencing at Amazon, at Airbnb, and Netflix, at Peloton, what you name the, the company, sort of expectations are being set on how companies will be able to take their data and get to know the customer and respond in a personally appropriate way. Um, and it is really hard for banks who have legacy systems and cores and data all over the place and a an architecture, a historical architecture that was product oriented um, and so siloed data, data. So yes, getting that data out and organized is a really important um, piece of the equation for marketers. It is it is something um, that actually is a byproduct of um, one of the solutions that we have that it also enables the rapid test and learn and personalization of execution at the same time. Um, so there, um, you know, it there isn't necessarily a separate 18-month march to first get all of your data perfectly ordered in a centralized place. There is a standardized set of data, and we have found sort of most useful is um, use case focused. So you don't tackle all of the use cases at once, um, but you start with one use case like onboarding uh, as an example or um, utilization or cross-sell. Um, and for each use case, there's sort of a, a standard set of data that is needs to be organized. Uh, you tackle that 
and fuel it into uh, a platform. And then this platform that I'm talking about is called Amplero. And um, it is an AI um, sort of recursive machine learning that is actively testing um, activation. So variables around tone, variables around imagery, various variables around uh, length, calls to action, as well as channels, as well as sequencing. Um, so all of the activation uh, variables that can make you feel like you're getting a very personalized and relevant marketing interaction. I mean, the good news is what you're saying is an organization doesn't have to have perfect data in order to be able to apply it and get some really good use cases and early victories, correct? That's 100% right. Yes. And, and you know, one of the things that we hear a lot is, yes, we know personalization is really important. And there's a, a five-year plan, a five-year roadmap for us to get to some mythical, perfect place of personalization. And the fact of the matter is a lot of that work tends to be personalization efforts that are built on fundamentally linear technology platforms that are that t- are basically trying to use humans to do the testing and learning that will drive that dynamic um, that dynamic empathy if you will um, that it really isn't where humans are best applied it's it will take a lot longer and be a lot more expensive trying to trying to do that um, than by using machine learning and AI as a plug-in to those platforms you already have um, to, to drive the dynamic experiences. So you've talked about AI-driven marketing. So how is AI-driven marketing execution different from the traditional rules-based execution and what makes it better? Rules-based has its place, right? When uh, a treatment needs to be the same for everyone and needs to be predictable or unchanging or when the clarity of communication is more important than sort of personalized nuance, rules-based makes a lot of sense. But, uh, and rules-based was the first logical step in an automation journey, right? Um, It enabled you to have more always-on versus episodic campaigns. But we are now in a a world where rules-based is sort of hitting a wall. What you need are sort of recursive, closed-loop testing and learning to mimic that human uh, banker exchange, for example, that I, I I gave earlier, where you know you you are learning and watching based on stimuli that you're putting out there and adapting and and having machine learning drive the test cell setup, the variable sets that get. Um, kind of delivered in a dynamic creative optimization payload. Um, that is where machines are best applied. And then the marketers on the team can be really focused on the bigger strategic questions, which is what humans are great at, um, which are what are the things that seem to be working? Why? What do we need to create uh, what do we need to do to create better, more compelling uh, marketing interactions for our customers, as opposed to the engineering of, for each micro segment that you may want to be reaching, 
what is the exact permutation or sequence of permutations that that you need and then engineering those uh, by hand in a in a platform so the machine learning that automates that um, is really what enables marketers to make a dramatic leap forward in terms of personalization with the staff they have not an army of 50, 60. You know, I, I, I talk a lot on this show about the fact that just developing these great models and, and figuring out where customers fit and giving the marketing a great report is not really the power of AI and personalization. It's really along the line of actually deploying it and, and actually making it so that you can deploy these insights across the whole organization. And I know your organization is, has written a lot about the, the role of branches going forward. And yesterday I wrote an article for the financial brand around technology-enabled employees and how they can become more valuable, let's say branch employees. And, and let's talk onboarding, which you brought up earlier. The ability to use branch-based employees to take insights that are developed from your machine learning, AI learning models and actually come up with solutions that say, here's what customer, what some of your customers should get next, that next best product. But then deploying the insights in a way that makes it so there's that human contact coming back. So let's say a customer opens an account digitally. We No organization has really mastered the cross-selling or the upselling engagement level of these digital accounts. So the reaching out by a human becomes very key. So do you see your tools that you develop at Kronos um, being ones that can actually be deployed across the organization to actually empower people beyond marketing with the tools that can make it so consumers actually benefit from better engagement? Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I, I think this is an area of huge untapped opportunity for banks um, is how do you leverage technology to almost be like an Iron Man suit, if you will, for the front lines that you have and giving them uh, stimuli and insights about the customers they're interacting with um, or either in real time um, so that they can kind of interact with them in more appropriate and relevant ways, um, or uh, by engaging humans in outreach, as you said, um, at critical windows, where it is really going to make a big difference in the overall value of that relationship. Um, the, the interesting thing is that it's it's not going to be a one size fits all. Um, there may be, so let's take a segment like high earners, not rich yet. Um, you know, that's a, a sexy segment. Everybody wants to win it for tomorrow um, because that's where the, the mass affluent, uh, you know, population of tomorrow is, is today. So if you think about, um, there may be micro segments in that population that would value a proactive outreach from a human banker at some point in the onboarding process. There may be a micro segment that wouldn't ever want to talk to a banker um, in person. They prefer uh, other channels or to be totally self-directed. Um, the uh, the I think promise of AI um, to some extent is to be able to learn uh, which are the customers that would uh, value uh, an outreach and who um, not just who would value that outreach, but who would because of that outreach have a deeper um, and 
uh, higher CLV o- over time, a, a better relationship, a better quality relationship. You know, it's interesting throughout all the discussion today, one thing that keeps on coming underneath the, the radar a little bit is your focus on test and learn on the focus that every institution combined with every consumer is a a different matrix. You have to really learn over time. And I think we forget that. You know, we, we, we take data, we think data is perfect and we push things out and we don't listen as well. And, and that's a part of marketing that at the end of the day, if, if we don't listen to the consumer, we're not going to be nearly as effective. And, and unfortunately that's where, you can't apply everything you've learned at one organization, deploy it against another organization because the the whole dynamic of each company is different. The, the history of the company, what they focused on, what they was important, their brand mission, their mission statement, you know, how empathetic they are in the community. So really, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of what you're doing is not just the deployment of insights, but it's actually listening to how those insights are used and 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 how we can get better over time, isn't it? An insight is only useful to the extent to which you can act upon it and and learn from it, right? And and so, um, yes, the activation, so the, the finding of the insights and then the activation uh, of against those insights in treatments and then the learning from what's working and what's not working in a, in a closed loop iterative way is absolutely central to, um, we think, modern marketing and, and how to do it successfully. And, and, you know, Jeff Bezos has certainly been known to, to talk a lot about um, testing and learning as what he thinks is one of the most valuable things and, and the biggest drivers of value for Amazon, uh, you know, and, and you know, it, it, is, it is effectively what we humans are doing at our best too, right? We are rapid test and learn machines. Um, and so I think what the, the opportunity is for marketing to bring that into digital channels and, and digital applications at scale. And that's where we're not really even scratching the surface, um, you know, in, in most financial institutions today. But there's tremendous upside in, in getting it right. And, you know, I'll give you an example of, a, of another use case. Like if you, if you think about card utilization as, as a use case that a lot of banks uh, think about and have marketing campaigns uh, built against, you know, you, you might say, okay, we have, we have models that are running. That's, that sort of say, okay, um, Jim is eligible for a campaign to drive card utilization. We've noticed he's fallen off over the past, you know, X amount of, of months or days. And so he's now eligible for, for that campaign. The marketing group is working, um, and it's, I don't know, is it a three month, four month process to stand up a campaign for the entire population of cardholders that is eligible for, uh, a utilization campaign. There may be a whole lot of different types of cards, and therefore different types of uh, incentives and condition offers that you're you want to put out. Each one of those would be assigned to specific segments. So just setting up that as a campaign can take a long time, and then um, you know they'll run that campaign. Maybe they get one a quarter. Let's say that would be a very high functioning uh, marketing team. And yet there are a lot of questions left on the table because you're not 
testing and learning within that context beyond a very micro amount, right? Does the amount of decline um, in utilization make a difference, right? Does it impact the give-get logic uh, for any individual? What give-get logic is most compelling for any individual? Um, you know, is it is it gas and groceries and points? Is it something else? Um, and and what is that? How does that change the uptake of the incentive? Are there um, you know, are there indications that how you wrap the creative drives um, a differential in how much incentive you need to give away? I mean, Jim, if I deliver a nudge um, that is funny, uh, that tips you to put your card back at the top of the wallet, and I don't need to give you any incentive, how many others like you are out there that I'm, you know, I'm able to save millions in incentives? Um, You know, can, can I get out ahead of declining usage with proactive messaging? What might that look like? So these are all big questions that are not being asked. Um, and, and they're not because it's until, until this kind of time of, of AI, they, they just really haven't been able to be operationalized in uh, kind of linear, in linear workflows. So we've talked about a lot here today and, and a there's there's a big nut to crack. I mean, most organizations are the starting gates, pretty much. Is this something, is engaging with your firm something that is really only for the big guys? Or can smaller organizations also scale in such a way that they can get benefits tomorrow from doing what you've talked about today? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, there are definitely... Um, Sorry, I'll start over. So, yes, I would say that um, institutions across the board um, can take advantage of this kind of, of learning. Obviously, machine learning likes data, right? So those with data scale will move faster uh, with the learning cycles. Um, however, there's still a lot of learning and optimization that can be done on, uh, on smaller customer bases. So, finally... If you have one piece of advice to give to our listeners who are keen to take action on improving their marketing process at their organization, what would it be? Where would they start? Um, so I would pick a use case that is the most important use case. So, for example, um, is acquisition your primary, you know, your primary imperative? What percentage of your acquisition dollars will be wasted because you have a leaky onboarding bucket. Um, So pick your use case. And then I am sure that within your organization, there is no shortage of hypotheses about how you could improve marketing interactions um, and, and how you would engage or want to engage with them in a more dynamic way during that critical window. Um, Even just going through that thought exercise um, can help you even if you don't have an AI platform at your disposal to go drive that dynamism, be able to materially improve your uh, your workflow. I mean, I think the other piece is there, you know, if we are moving from madmen to math men, where really marketing is becoming much more scientific, um, organizing your marketing operations uh, so that you are following some kind of routine 
test, learn, iterate cycle, uh, whether you start on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis, having a what are a learning agenda and a test agenda and and driving that sort of continuous loop and getting in the habit of that approach to scientific marketing um, is is definitely a really good place to start. Sarah, it's been great to have you on the show today. I think, you know, you've really illustrated something that that we keep on having as a recurring theme on the show, which is you can't wait till tomorrow for something that needs to be done today. Number two, you can't do it yourself. You need to partner and you need to partner with an organization that's going to run at a faster speed than you are without you having to hold the lease the whole time, because you're not going to be able to move forward if you if you don't partner with an organization that's going to move much faster than you. You also are going to get the, the tremendous benefit of resource that you would never be able to acquire for yourself from these partners that have these resources internally and have the knowledge of multiple financial institutions that you work with that allow you to say, uh, guys, we've seen this one before. This is not going to work. And it's in better, everybody's best interest as a final note, which you just brought up to get that quick win, because that helps get funding for future wins. Everybody wins in that. Your, your partner in the solution, Kronos, you know, benefits. You're going to benefit because you're going to get budgets and you're going to move forward even faster going forward. This is not impossible. You know, it's an, a factor of saying, you know, you just got to get unstuck. And this is really difficult because it seems massive. And I think the kind of relationship you talked about, Sarah, around how you break this down into let's get these little wins because that makes it all so you get excited about the next one. And it, yes, it's a big it's a big issue to deal with. But if you do it one step at a time, you're going to get victories and, and victories across the organization, which is really important. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And one last thing, how do people get a hold of you and how do people reach out to your firm? Um, so you can find us at curinos.com, C-U-R-I-N-O-S.com. And I am on LinkedIn as Sarah Welch. Great. Thank you again. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform Solutions Podcast, a new podcast that focuses on innovative solutions for finance institutions. We'd like to thank Kernos, the sponsor of today's show. If you're a solution provider, why don't you discuss how you can help bankers and credit unions solve a major marketplace challenge? Drop us in line. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, amazing things are possible when you listen to the consumer and take action on their needs. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.